the world of Islam, culture, religion, and politics. Welcome to the World of Islam podcast. My name is Amin Tais. We continue looking at the non-Muslim communities of early Islamic times. This episode focuses on Christian communities of the Near East at a time in which Islam starts to spread as a forming religious tradition and at a time where a dominant empire carrying the banner of Islam and using it for ideological purposes and social goals had taken control of large areas in which one form or another of Christianity had already established itself as the religious frame of many communities. We had encountered in an early episode of this podcast the various versions of Christianity that sprang in the Near East and that were part of the two major pre-Islamic empires, the Byzantine Empire in the West and the Sasanian Empire in the East. It might come as a surprise to some that Christian communities not only continue to exist, but some of them in fact flourished in this early period. Part of this is that, as we saw, the early Arab conquerors were not interested in converting the conquered populations. They did not mix with those populations, they lived in garrison towns outside the conquered urban areas, and they preferred to maintain their lifestyles and collect taxes from the local communities in exchange for security and protection. It will take time for a full-fledged system that organizes the relation of the newcomers to the locals to take real hold. In the meantime, the many Christian communities that did not adhere to the Melkite Church, that is the official church of the defeated Byzantine Empire, so the non-Melkite Christians did not find much of a problem adapting to the new rulers, as far as we can say. It is even likely that some of them even found the new rule to be better, because it lessened the pressure of Christian rivalry over theological issues, which were in fact tightly connected to sociological realities, to the competition between social and economic interests. We find, therefore, that some churches, like the Nestorian Church in Iraq, witnessed a growth in the early Islamic period, probably benefiting from the complete fall of the Sassanian Empire, which, as we had discussed, was closely tied to the Zoroastrian religion. In greater Syria, there is even archaeological evidence that churches continued to be built after the Arab conquests. In this early period, not only were Christians a majority of the population in most areas, Christians and Christianity were hugely important in the formation of Islam itself. We had talked about the Christians who were central to the process of translation of works of Greek philosophy to Arabic. We also talked about Christian philosophers and Christian administrators that benefited the early world of Islam and Muslims with their expertise. All of this was not without tensions or clashes. In fact, the more established the Islamic structures became, 
and the more interaction occurred in growing urban centers, the more we see tensions around the need to make the Muslim subjects superior to the subjects of other religious backgrounds. But the early period of Islam in the Near East was one in which Christians remained an important player at the social level, with a generally positive outcome, as far as historians can tell, from the available sources. But we cannot talk about Christian communities without highlighting the intellectual impact at the religious level. Just as we have pointed out in the previous episode how the Judaism of the rabbis had an impact on the legal world of the Muslim fuqaha, the Muslim legal scholars, and vice versa. It is important to also highlight how, without Christianity, there would not have been an Islam in the way we know it today. We had already discussed in the episode on early Islamic theology how the debates on the divine nature of the Qur'an had mirrored the debates on the divine nature of Jesus in Christian contexts. That was obviously huge at many levels, but that was not the only intellectual interaction. Muslim elites came to define their religious views in relation to and through interaction with the religious perspectives of Christians. The same can be said of popular religion as more daily social interaction put side to side Muslims and Christians. This is valid at the level of imitating each other, but also, and perhaps more importantly, at the level of differentiation from the other, so that a religious identity is constructed by looking at the other and differentiating the self from that other, without necessarily acknowledging that process. In other words, we have to be aware of the fact that the religions of the Near East at the time in which Islam comes to the picture are an integral part of the formation of Islam and construction of a rich and sophisticated religious tradition. On the Christian side, we also see important developments, with the Arabic language rather quickly becoming the language of daily interaction at the expense of Syriac in the Levant and Coptic in Egypt. In fact, many Christians developed writings in Arabic and used terminology that is reminiscent of the Quranic and Islamic theological language. To end this brief overview, we must note that things would slowly change over the decades as Islam continues developing and as the worldly benefits, the social benefits of joining the new religion become greater generation after generation, making Islam move from a minority religion into the religion of the majority of the population. So many shifts will occur in the world of both Christian and Jewish communities in the 9th and 10th centuries as Islamic identity becomes clearer and its boundaries more articulated at the legal level. The Abbasid Caliphate, who rises in 750 and continues until 1258, will build its domain more fully around that identity. Consequently, these changes will impact how non-Muslim communities are perceived and treated. We will tackle 
this in a later episode. Thank you for listening. Assalamu alaikum. Thank you.